On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are going to be talking about money. As in money for savings, as in money for retirement, because a new report has come out in the United States saying nearly 50% of Americans don't have anything saved for retirement. And not just 20-year-olds, people near retirement. Are the numbers similar in Canada? And if they are, what does that mean? Also, going to be chatting about the opener, Blue Jays home opener. Spring is here. Baseball has arrived. And yet, you know what? We have no hope for this team, but it doesn't matter. Spring is here. We can still revel in that even while we wait for the ground to fall out from beneath the Blue Jays' feet this spring. All that coming up. Don't go anywhere. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. There is a story out of the States that came out uh, today saying half of Americans have no real savings for retirement. Half. And we're not talking about 20-year-olds who are saying, yeah, I got nothing. No, no, no. We're talking about that 50% is people who are nearing retirement age now and say, I got nothing tucked away. And here's what's even more shocking about this. That is better than what the numbers were in 2013. We're actually improving and it's still under 50%. It's truly a problem. Based on this report, 48% of Americans had no RRSPs or the equivalent. Three in five Americans have no pension. And 29%, so almost a third, have no pension and no savings. They fall into both those categories. They got no money squirreled away for the day that they have to retire. It is a, boy, it is a problem. And here's the thing. The numbers are American numbers. I'm not sure, and my next guest will offer his opinion on this. I'm not sure that if we were to check these numbers in Canada, they would be vastly different, maybe a little bit. I'd like to think we're a little smarter perhaps, but I don't think vastly. Andy Lister is executive financial consultant with IG Private Wealth Management, but you probably know him better as a co-host of Planning Your Financial Future, which airs here on CHML Saturdays from 8 till 9 a.m. He joins me now. Andy, how are you today? Hey, hi, Scott. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I'm, I'm always happy to have you on, uh, except this topic. Boy, when I see numbers that half of Americans, and again, we'll get to whether or not this is a Canadian thing as well, half of them have nothing tucked away. That is a depressing statistic to read. Oh, it, it, it is. And, uh, and as you also mentioned, too, that uh, 40% of those 50% don't even have a traditional pension plan that they can fall back to. And, uh, and I, I love, but I love this, the source of those statistics. The government department in the U.S., they call it the U.S. Government Accountability Office. Yeah, <laughs> who, who's got the accountability? Yeah, who's being accountable here? And I think uh, it's a bit of a wake-up call, that's for sure. When you hear these numbers, though, uh, do they surprise you, or is it kind of what you thought would be the numbers? Well, you know, I think it's it is surprising, and and uh, and as I get into, I'll tell you a little more about the Canadian statistics, and we are doing a little bit better, that's for sure. Uh, but what I think is most concerning from from my perspective in the U.S. is that they have very little to fall back on in terms of support systems. So once those people that are 55 plus and they begin to retire, a lot of them rely purely just on what they call social security, which is the equivalent of our old age security, but it's a very minimal amount of income on an annual basis. So I I would say that what we're looking at is a 
is a generation of seniors retiring in poverty. And, or not retiring uh, at all. Or not retiring at all, continuing to work. Yeah, that's right. Well, let, you say about the Canadian numbers. Uh, what would the Canadian numbers be? I, I, I know it's not 100% are saving. Uh, hopefully it's not 50% that aren't saving. Where, where do you think the numbers are in this country? Yeah, so we, we, looked at it, we looked at it a little bit differently from Statistics Canada. Instead of looking at the people that aren't saving, we tend to, we tend to analyze those that are saving. And, and so it, essentially the overall average for all age groups is 65% of us are putting money away. So the reverse of that to compare to the U.S. statistic would mean that about 35% of us are not doing anything. Which is better, but that still leaves a third of people who are going to be in that same position. Exactly. And what, what we look at is, are you contributing either to an RRSP, a tax free savings account, or a registered pension plan, or all three in some cases? So if you're contributing to one of those, you are part of the, the saving category. Yeah. Now let me, let's be both of us very fair to people here, because when we throw this stuff out there, it's almost like we're saying, yeah, you're an idiot if you're not doing this. And, and in some mm-hmm. cases you probably are an idiot if you're not doing this. At the same time though, Andy, there are people now, times are changing. It's, these are tough times for a lot of people. Not everybody has a stable job with a stable salary. Uh, housing costs more, food costs more, your bills are costing more. Not everybody has the the capacity to be able to save a lot of money right now. Yes, and I, you know, and I always and I always talk about, and we talk about this on our show as well, is saying that there's not really a retirement crisis. There's a savings crisis, and as you pointed out, there's a lot of demands on our day to day lives, and the, the the capacity to be able to put money aside on a regular basis is difficult. Now, by the way, our statistics in Canada do not include. Uh, contributions to Canada Pension Plan. Now, we're all forced to do that on a regular basis based on our income, and that is actually going up a little bit this year, but overall, we're contributing around 10% of our income. The first 58000 of our income goes towards Canada Pension Plan, so that is another sort of leg of the stool that helps us in our retirement years along with old age security to try and keep people and seniors out of that poverty uh, area. But but the capacity to save is is really is difficult, and especially with things, a lot of companies now cutting pensions. Pensions are disappearing. Absolutely, they're going to be the, like the dodo bird soon enough. And it's uh, uh, and, and but what often does replace them? And a lot of the progressive employers are including now uh, group RRSP plans or group tax free savings plans. And the motivation behind those is that if you are willing to commit a percentage every month, say, a, you know, 1%, 2%, they will either match it or they might give you 50% of that. And that's a fantastic place to start. If I was to give advice to anybody, make sure that you are contributing or participating in your group plan at work. And it's basically free money. It's like getting a raise. Andy, this may be a really stupid question, but you know, stupid questions sometimes are the spice of life. Um, what what actually does happen in this country if you retire and you have nothing? How do you get by? If you haven't saved anything, if you have no yeah. pension and you don't have an RSP or anything, what do people do? That's a great question. And um, so there are... There are support systems in place for seniors, and uh, it starts as early as age 60. Uh, and the, the main components of it are going to be your Canada Pension Plan. And by the way, you know, 
majority of people don't qualify for the maximum Canada pension plan. Which and would be what? What would the max be? The, the maximum would be $13,800 uh, $13, a year. It's around 1150 a month would be the maximum Canada pension plan at age 65. So assuming if you were retiring at 65, maybe you're entitled to, if you've worked along the way, maybe you get half of that. That would be a good uh, a good place to start. So that's about 600 bucks a month. And then uh, you would get old age security. So if you lived in Canada for at least 40 years, you get the maximum old age security at 65. That's another 600 bucks a month. And then if that's your only income from that point on, you are entitled to another support system called Guaranteed Income Supplement. And that can be as much as $900 a month. But if you have any other sources of income, they claw that back. Uh, and by the time your income reaches, get this, $18,200 as a single uh, single senior retiree, you are clawed back all of that guaranteed income supplement. So essentially in, in Ontario and in Canada, if you make over 18200 as a senior, that's about the maximum you're going to get. Uh, on a monthly basis, or sorry, on an annual basis from and the government. Would that take you into taxable levels, or would you still be not paying tax on that? Is you, that still below? Would, that's right. You would pay no tax on that. So that's, I mean, so you're taking that home, but still, that's, by the time you pay, assuming some people may have to still pay a mortgage or rent or bills or gas or food, or it, it's gone pretty quickly. It is. It's, that would be very difficult. It's very difficult. It, it, it would be considered the poverty line, and, uh, um, I, I mean, the only other support system that we have is for those that would need um, medical help or long-term care. Your the government will will place you in a facility, and you will not have a choice. You'll be in a ward, and you don't get to choose which one you're in. And basically, they'll take that eighteen thousand a year as uh, as payment, uh, and they'll give you about a hundred bucks a month in terms of living expenses. So there's not a lot of wiggle room. But, yeah. Uh, but you're not going to be on the street. I think that's the main thing to, to to realize. In your experience, though, how many people know? as they're going along, that they should do something. They should be doing something. They should, even if it's a little bit, they should be tucking some money away, but then get to a point where they figured, oh, you know what? I've waited so long. I, there's not enough time. So what's the point? I know. It, it's, we always say it's never too late to start. And, and, and it's interesting because anytime we have, uh, when we speak with a client or a new client, they, they will always say, geez, I wish I had started this earlier. And, and we all know the, the, the power of compound interest over time. And, and clearly it's a, it's a big choice. And so one of the things, I try and put it into dollar perspective to, to try and shake people up a bit in terms of getting started and doing something. And, and, I, was, and I always work with a number of $10 a day. So roughly, say, 300 bucks a month. If you can sort of peel off $10 a day, you know, there's loose change and money lying around, uh, put it away. And if you can save $300 a month, that's $3,600 a year. And if you started that at age 25, after 40 years, you'd have $560,000 at 6%. Which is great. But, but, it, which but, is, but if you wait five years, yeah. if you delay that until age 30, it drops to four hundred and one thousand, one hundred and fifty-seven thousand dollars difference. And then you wait till you're forty, and now the stress level when you realize, man, I may have waited too long. 
I know. And so when we when we sort of get to that point, then it, it now becomes how much how much of a lifestyle can we create for you based on how much time you have left before you retire and how much you can save from the point you start. So it it, it comes down to a, a formula of it's really never it's. I mean, some people have a magic number. They might say, oh, I want to have a million dollars to be able to retire. But for most of us, we accumulate a a pile of money, and then we want to figure out how much income can we take from that so that we don't outlive it, and uh, and then what kind of lifestyle. So it really comes down to, you know, how much are you going to spend and what lifestyle you're going to have to make sure, A, you don't run out of money, but based on the amount of savings that that you've piled up over the years. The thing about this story and the American story and everything else, it seems like it's a really confusing thing for people if you're not if you don't know what you're doing, it's really hard to figure out what you're doing. The uh, CIBC did a survey about a year ago, and most Canadians said they figured they'd need about $750,000 to retire. That was the number they came up with on average. And yet 90% of them said, I have n- no idea how to get there, though. So it, this, the problem with this is we know we should be doing it. And we got to go, unfortunately. We know yeah. we should be doing it. We don't necessarily do it, or we wait too long, or we don't really know how to get started, and then you end up like these stories in the States where half the people are going to go into retirement with nothing. Exactly. And when you think about somebody hitting retirement, there's usually three options. You know, I want to spend all my money retirement. If the last check I write bounces, I'll be happy. There are other people <laughs> that want to leave a large estate and they'll they'll sacrifice their lifestyle to be able to leave more to their children. And then for the rest of us, we're sort of somewhere in the middle in terms of maybe the house is left over or some other yeah. assets. But again, you know, the one of the key things to making sure we pay off debt before retirement. That's a, that's a key financial goal. And really there's three stages of retirement, what we call the go-go years, the slow-go years, and the no-go years. And what you want to kind of think about there is you're going to be able to spend or want to spend a little more in the go-go years because you're healthy, yep. you're motivated, you can still travel and do things, and then taper off some of that spending as you hit the slow-go. Andy, we got to run, sadly. All uh, right. But I appreciate Thanks, Listen, God. I always appreciate having you on. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate you're it. You're welcome. Take care. Andy Lister. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. It is opening day tomorrow. It means the birds are chirping, the flowers are blooming, and Bubba O'Neill is with us. Sir, how are you today? I'm uh, probably not as um, enthused as you are. Well, I, I honestly can't remember the last time I went into a season with expectations this low. I mean, I expect the Blue Jays to be truly awful this year, but it's opening day, so you still got to be upbeat and be perky about it. Um, really? <laughs> it's spring. It's baseball. Can you name me five players? On the Blue Jays or just in general? On the Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say in general. <laughs> I could do that. Can you name five Tigers? Uh, I could name five Blue Jays. For sure I could. Yeah. Um, there's a lot that can't. No, there's a lot that can't, and here's the other thing. The thing that a lot of people are going to have trouble with about this Blue Jays team is these are placeholders. The the guys who are playing for the Blue Jays, at least a lot of them right now, are the folks at the Academy Awards who run in and fill the seats while the stars go pee. Absolutely. They will not be here as soon as someone who's got any kind of real talent comes along. So it's it is this is a this is a place filler year or two. What we're in right now is a kind of a between good times, I guess. At least we hope. 
Yeah, that's kind of the, I think, the expectation for the organization right now. And, I mean, this reminds me back, I mean, you go back about three years ago uh, when the Maple Leafs stripped their team down and had very much the same experience that they're doing right now. They made no bones about it that this is a rebuilding year, that they were moving on from several veteran players, and that uh, this was a move to uh, get towards the future, get experience for many of the young players to become the new stars of today. And move forward. But there is a big difference, though. And, and I agree with you as far as that's what this team is. We know that's what this team is. We know this is a team that is getting, you're waiting for Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Dante era and Bo Bichette and all these guys to come along. But when the Maple Leafs did it, for better or for worse, Mike Babcock and the others said, there's going to be pain. This team is going to be bad. Stick with us. It'll get better. The Blue Jays and their Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, they seem to be still trying to fluff up a turd here and tell us that this thing is going to be really good. It's going to be really good. Why don't they come out and just say, we're going to stink. Hang in there. It's going to get better. Uh, Mike Babcock's a rare breed, right? I mean, and I think Mike Babcock also does things for Mike Babcock, right? So Mike Babcock did what he did to protect himself because he, he was coming in as the highest paid coach in the, in the, in the National Hockey League history, yep. right? And with a contract that was longer than anyone else in national uh, hockey history in terms of a head coach. So he did to protect himself because he knew he was in the hockey bed of the world and that all eyes were going to be on him. And really not so much the team in his first year. You know, like, why did the Leafs go out and get this guy, right? Especially when they're not going to be very good. So he was kind of a foundation so guy. So lay the foundation for terribleness. Right, exactly. But, to, uh, for, but a foundation guy to build for the future. So he said what he said because he had to. Because, it, again, it is the most popular hockey market in the world. That is not the case with the Blue Jays. That doesn't need to be said. It's almost assumed after the Blue Jays have had their runs in the last couple of seasons that have just, you know, slowly deteriorated into, you know, an also-ran franchise, or at least in terms of wins and losses. I shouldn't say that about the franchise because the franchise are well. But in terms of wins and losses, they're just not going to be very good. So but it seems like they're trying... The they don't need to do this. But it seems like they're anything. trying to pull the wool or trying to make people think it's something it is. I, no, I would I think, be way happier if Shapiro came out and said, it's just going to be a bad year, folks. No, Deal no, with it. I think that's fair. I think what you're saying is fair, Scott, but I think it's also, I think if you're in the organization, I don't think you want to sell it that way. I think you also want to tell people, you know what, get out there, support these guys. Kind of a very much like a triple-A team would. That, you know what, how we used to here in Hamilton with the Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, the, the <laughs> players are going to possibly leave. Maybe they don't want to be here, but, you know what, come out and watch a team grow. Yeah, a triple-A team with $12 beers. <laughs> no, five dollars. Well, now. no, well, sort of five dollar beers. One one station on each concourse. It's going to have lines that go around the concourse three times. <laughs> you're never going to get your five dollar beer. You're going to miss five innings just to get a five dollar beer. You're eventually just going to give up. All right, I got a bunch of things because there are a number of stories that are going to kick off tomorrow or. The kickoff would be probably the wrong use of the phrase, but anyway, um, that I want to get to and ask you about. We'll bang through a bunch of these things really quickly. Is Marcus Stroman the opening day starter tomorrow because he legitimately is the guy who is your best pitcher and the ace of the staff, or is he the opening day starter because you know that if they passed over him, he was going to make a fuss on social media, and it's better just not to deal with that crap? Well, I mean, I think he's the best they have right now, Scott, and that, and I mean that honestly. And I Ahead of Sanchez? I do understand. Yes, of course. What has Aaron Sanchez done in the last two or three years? He's done very little. Well, he's been hurt, and, but yeah. 
He did nothing last year other than go on the DL four times, I believe, with a reoccurring blister issue. So I think based last year, Marcus Stroman actually had a pretty good year based on you know the talent of the team. Uh, he's your alpha dog. He's your guy that I think right now has proven himself over a long, a longer stretch of time over anyone else that's there. I don't think you want to start a guy that you know what nobody knows. He's you know he's got that leader mentality, that bulldog mentality. And I think at the end of the season, it may, I remember, you know, and your baseball guys, wins and losses aren't always the factor, but in terms of ERA, strikeouts, whip, all of those important stats that everyone are looking at right now for a lot of the baseball geeks, uh, he's, he's potentially your best guy. Will he be here at the end of the year? And that's a great question because you could throw him and a couple of guys, like Justin Smoke would be, uh, you know, guys that would be in that category of experience. Not old veterans, but playable veterans that will be very attractive to teams in contention for a playoff that are very affordable in terms of yeah. the contract. Yeah, they don't have huge contracts. Exactly. So uh, the- those are the guys that teams will be targeting. If this team is nowhere to be found in the playoff mix or not even in the discussion of a wild card, you could expect that seem to sell off some of these players for futures. One of the guys that is always now, they talk about Stroman, and I think part of the reason you talk about Marcus Stroman, quite honestly, is because I, I really do believe the Blue Jays feel as though somehow they've dodged a lot of bullets. This guy is is a tiny guy by baseball starting pitcher stature. I mean, he's five foot nine. Most guys are well over six feet tall when they're start, you know, a pitcher in Major League Baseball. I think the Leafs feel like they've probably dodged some injury problems. He's stayed healthy, but I really think that if they could get something for him before he gets a big contract and then breaks down, at least that's a thought. I could. That's why I see him getting traded. But why Aaron Sanchez? His name is coming up all the time as also being a guy they would like to move. He's 26. He has all the talent in the world if he can ever stay healthy. Why, why does it seem like everybody's so eager to move this guy out? Because when you look at him, and remember, let's go back five years when Stroman and Sanchez kind of came up at the same time. I think most people would say Stroman is the more pro-ready guy, but over the long distance, Sanchez could be the better pitcher. And I think there are guys that are still hanging on to that. You look at his velocity. You look at his size. It is actually sad, really, that, that you know the couple of years, the year and a half that he's experienced in terms of injuries, because he just can't seem to get it right. And two years ago, when he was healthy, he was tr- tremendous. Sure, the, the, the guy has all kinds of promise, and I think what very much like Marcus Stroman. The two are very, very close in terms of the length of contract, and as you well know, the what they call in baseball the uh, the amount of control that teams can have over the contract before they can get something long. They need to get something long term done. I I just look at Sanchez though, and I think to myself, for all the reasons you just said, he hasn't been able to put it together. He has. He's not going to be a guy who's going to get the monster contract. He's twenty six. You're several years away from contending, but he'll still be a prime of his career guy when that happens. I, I just don't see a reason why you, unless some team gave you, got stupid and gave up a ton of stuff, I don't see why you would get rid of him. Stroman, on the other hand, if he stays healthy, he'll get the big contract. And that's maybe you say, okay, we don't really want that now. No, I just think he's more proven. And like I said, he's been able to, even as you said, at, at this more diminutive size, he's been able to stay healthy. So he's got the better track record to show for teams. But I still believe that this team very much... Uh, and in terms of talking about the management, if they are going to get an offer that they cannot refuse, and I'm not talking about you know, major league-ready players unless they're very young and controllable, 
if there are good, you know, draft picks and prospects out there that are looked at by, you know, Major League Baseball and some of the associations that rate some of these younger players that are very, very high, you could see a lot of those players. And I put Stroman and I put Sanchez and Justin Smoke on that. I put those guys in that category. And I also believe that there's going to be a set of veteran guys that have been signed to one-year deals. Um, and there's a bunch of them that the Blue Jays have. Uh, and I'll even throw, you know, Port Dover's... Um, John Axford. John Axford on that list as guys that will be kind of attractive to teams that are in a playoff situation that they won't have to pay next year, but they're on one-year deals that could help these teams. Here is the one thing that I am looking forward to on the Blue Jays this year that I really am looking forward to. It's got nothing to do with wins and losses. Charlie Montoyo, who is the new coach, took over for John Gibbons, new manager, pardon me, took over for John Gibbons. Uh, We don't know a whole lot about him except for the fact that we keep getting told that he is a real out-of-the-box thinker. He really wants to try some wacky, goofy stuff and go along with the analytics and all that kind of stuff. In spring training, he's already tried with the four-man outfield, which is something a little different. I'm, I am going to be interested to see what this guy comes up with. I think that probably over the course of the year, we may see two or three things that we go, huh? And then you say, that's kind of either crazy or brilliant. I'm not really sure which one, but that's what I'm looking forward to seeing from this guy. Well, I mean, he is one of the bright, innovative minds, and that's one of the things that we learned about Charlie Montoya is is that he is unafraid to try different things. He's in a situation where the team is not expected to win, um, and there are young players that he's going to be responsible for molding their minds and different ways of approaching the game. Uh, you're right. I could see a lot of different things being tried out. Uh, remember, he comes from the Tampa Bay organization who last year – were really not the first, but they were the ones to sort of uh, reintroduce to Major League Baseball the starter uh, mentality. The opener. Right, the opener uh, mentality, where pitchers, where you basically admit to you know everyone out there, we're going to use four or five pitchers today, and we're going to have our starter, maybe, our, our, sorry, our closer, maybe throw the first two innings of a game, maybe even just one, yep. and then just keep pitching guys for two or three innings. That And see, Tampa Bay is planning on doing that a lot this year, and I think that is, I don't know, again, whether this is, there's a, there was a great line in the movie Spinal Tap, which said there's a fine line between clever and stupid. And I'm thinking this this may be that fine line. This could be either the most brilliant maneuver that you could do in baseball, or this could end up being the stupidest thing ever. But it's one of those things that, even as a traditionalist, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how this works. Well, again, I mean, we you, uh, you just used the key word there, traditional. And the previous manager of many years of the Blue Jays and John Gibbons was very traditional in his approach and the way he did things in, in the sport. And, you know, wasn't a big hit-and-run guy, didn't bunt the ball a lot. But these are all the things that I think the Blue Jays, that you could see changed on the Blue Jays. I think you will see more hit-and-run situations. I think you will see more situational running, um, you know, attempts stealing bases. Like, I just think we'll see more of that with the Blue Jays right now because you have a manager that may be a little less traditional and may be more open to trying different ways to generate runs and how, generate how, your offense. How about the intentional getting hit by a pitch? <laughs> 
Think you could I'm talk the players to, into that one? had a player, it wasn't all that long ago, an outfielder of mine, uh, I, can't, I remember, he played center field and left field, and he led the majors for back-to-back years of getting hit. Wasn't it Michael Saunders? Uh, no, uh, my goodness. All right. It a, it'll come to me, but... Uh, Boy, the guys! Oh, he used to lay out. He was a really good outfielder, but put his body to abuse, though. Well, I don't know if, you, as even as a new manager, I don't know if you can talk your team into that one, guys. I want you to lean in. I want you to be like coach in Cheers. <laughs> really, way to get on base, Scott. Stick your noggin in the way of that fastball. Uh, years ago, funny story. Years ago, and you can probably still find this online. There was a reporter with the Kansas City newspaper, and he wrote a story because the bases were loaded. Kansas City was down by a run. Bases were loaded. And the, the, the run that, w- if he got on base, it would have forced in the tying run. And the pitcher threw one inside and the guy jumped out of the way. And the writer said, what are you doing? There is the tie game. And, and then the writer, after he filed the story, said, wait a second. If I'm telling a player that I, he should be standing in the way of a 96-mile-an-hour fastball, <laughs> I better be willing to do the same thing. So he asked the team, and he went down into the tunnel where the players take batting practice and allowed them to fire up the pitching machine to 96 and stood in the way of one. And I got to tell you, the bruise that it left was monumental, but he had the undying respect of every player on that team. They all yeah. loved it. And you can watch the video online. It's still on there. Yeah, I, I'm going to respect I'm gonna respect him for doing it, but I still <laughs> a bit of a fool. <laughs> Uh, it, uh, boy, the, the mark it left, it was the size of a beach ball on his side. Uh, okay, couple guys really quickly. we got to blast through this thing. Uh, very quick questions. Troy Tulowitzki, the Jays are paying him like $20 bucks this year to play. Will Troy Tulowitzki play 100 games this year? Uh, that's a great question. Um, boy, you just, you, you, I, I say this as a fan of baseball, and I hope he does, because he is one of the better players when healthy at that position. And he's playing on a team that will probably monitor his, his, his innings. So I'm going to say no. But I'm going to say it's going to be just short of that. How, how many times did the Yankees play the Jays? Like 19? I think it's 18, 19 that they play within their, their own division. I don't know how many games he'll play this year, but I'm willing to bet you he'll play every single one against the Blue Jays and Homer in all of them. Sometimes two or three times. When he comes to Toronto, how, how, what's the reception? Um... I think people may chuck band-aids onto the field. I don't know what they're going to do. I, th- I mean, why would you boo him? He, he, he got hurt. It's not like he chose to leave. The team bought him out. I don't know. I, I think it'll be an agnostic reception, honestly. I don't think people will feel strongly one way or the other. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Bryce Harper, now with Philadelphia, starting the new year. Is Bryce Harper going to be a top 10 player in the major leagues this year? He needs to return because he was out of form last year. But with that said, injuries did slow them down with the Nationals last year. Uh, still good with the, uh, with the power numbers, but in terms of batting average, uh, errors on the field, just wasn't the same guy and, you know, that we expect out of a National League MVP. Um, but I, I would expect, you know, there's going to be a, pressure, a, pressure, a, lot of, a certain amount of pressure on him. Philadelphia is a very tough place to play, but I think he's ready for that challenge. I think he gets right back to being in, you know, in that MVP status. Three guys, well, there are more than three, but three in particular that come to mind got massive, massive, massive contracts this year. Manny Machado, who went to San Diego, Harper, who went to Philadelphia, and Mike Trout, who stayed in Los Angeles. Mike Trout always has a good year. I see no reason why Mike Trout is not going to have another great year because he's arguably putting himself in position to be considered one of the greatest players of all time. That's right. 
I think Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are both going to have unbelievably disappointing seasons this year. I really do. Because the contracts, because of the place they're in, because of a lot of things, I don't expect much from either one. But we will see. I think Manny has been consistent over the years, and I think playing in a place like San Diego, on grass, warm weather, I think that's everything that you could ask for. But you are correct in saying we've seen this in pro sports before where guys, you know, free agents get the big deals in that first year is generally, you know, below career average numbers. Uh, and finally, Sports Illustrated came out with their baseball preview today. It's all online. You can go read it. They say, so a, a good team in the majors, a good team wins 90 games. A really good team wins 95. A great team wins 100. They're picking the Jays to win 75. You taking the over or you taking the under? Yeah, I, I, you know what? I think they're right on. I, that's a that's a really good call. Um, I, this team is going to be below 500, in my opinion. Um, I don't see any reason, especially as you talk about playing, you know, teams like the Yankees and Red Sox 18, 19 times a year. I just don't see, uh, you know, a lot of wins <laughs> with this sort of patched together cool club. Uh, I definitely, I, I think that that number may be bang on, Scott. Definitely uh, below 500. Well, part of the challenge they're going to have is that with the interleague play that is going on now, as we've had for a number of years now, every year y- your team gets to play interleague with one of the t- uh, with the teams from one of the other divisions in the National League. This year it's the National League West, I Ouch. believe. Ouch. Uh, they got some good teams out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are not gimme games anymore. Sometimes you get the, the year when you can pile up some wins in interleague play. This is a you've got thirty six, thirty eight games against the Red Sox and the Yankees. You've got Tampa Bay is going to be a lot better, I think, than people expect. You've got Houston. They always give the Jays fits. They do. You've got a Houston that's going to be a great team again. There's a lot of teams in the American League. They're going to be tough. And now you've got all the interleague games against Los Angeles and against San Diego, which may or may not be. I mean, boy, I'm taking the under. Not by much, but I'm taking the under on the 75. Maybe 72, 71. Yeah, and and don't be surprised if it is that number, right? Because, again, the expectations are low. And you know what? There may be a time. There may be a time where we look at this season and say, it was a necessary evil to get to where maybe you know to to the promised land. Can you I may say that? Can I make one request for the new baseball season? No Pat Tabler. I don't mind Pat Tabler. Uh, I mean Pat Tabler's Pat Tabler. No, my one request is that every single time Buck Martinez goes, "Get up, ball! Get up, ball!" Somebody who's sitting beside him puts a shot collar on him and presses the button. <laughs> That to me is the worst call, the most homerish, amateurish, bush league, stupid call in all of sports. They should make him wear a Cliff Clavin like collar, like he tried to do in Cheers that one time. And the someone at home gets to have the buzzer, and when he says it, you go, bzz, bzz, and in I don't know two or three weeks he might stop. So you're saying you don't like the call? Not so much. You know, it's funny, that, and that's why I said Pat Tabler, because in my humble opinion here, and I think we as you know, people in the media, we kind of might be a little more sensitive to you know, the call of broadcasters, as you just sort of described there, but I like it when it is Shulman on the play-by-play, uh, on the call. Dan Shulman is tremendous. And he's fantastic. But I think Buck, by his side, that is a wonderful duo. They Buck Martinez, as the color commentator on TV, is a very good color commentator. I've got no issue with Buck Martinez as a color commentator. 
I hate his home run call. And I don't even mind him as a play-by-play guy. Just shove a sock in his mouth when the ball is going deep and everyone's fine. No one gets hurt. Uh, by, the way, by the way, name I was looking, I, I couldn't remember, Reed Johnson. Reed Johnson, yes, went to the Chicago Cubs after he left the Blue Jays. Always getting hit by pitches. You can watch the highlights of Reed Johnson flying headfirst when he dove backwards into the wall and almost killed That's himself. Right, I forgot about that. Right yep. into the concrete wall. Right, right into the concrete wall at Wrigley Field. Yeah, I don't know if he's uh, recovered yet. A home opener tomorrow afternoon, 3.37 p.m. And that's another thing. Why in the afternoon? Well, this is the way it should be. we got to go. This is the way it should be. Home openers are supposed to be skip off work, go down to the dome, and try to pull a Ferris Bueller and not be seen on the Jumbotron or on TV. Uh, they haven't done it. They've done evenings for a long time. I think, again, maybe, you know what? There's other things to do in the evening in this city. Maybe we can do something in the afternoon and draw a big enough crowd because good seats still available, Bubba. I know. I'm told lots of good seats. Lots of good seats still available. Get yours. Buy a $12 beer or eight. Support your local Blue Jays. Bubba O'Neill from CHCH. Always appreciate the time. Thanks for doing Thanks this. Thanks for having me, Scott. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. There is a um, an online grammar test. Grammar is the bane of a lot of people's existence. I, I, I will tell you this. Because I work in writing, it's something that I pay attention to. I'm a bit of a stickler for grammar. It now I'm at the point now where bad grammar drives me a little bit bonkers. I've become almost obsessed in some ways with people who use the wrong words in the wrong place or can't spell. You, you may be a lovely person. I will still love you as a person. But it's like fingernails down a chalkboard sometimes. If you use the wrong there in a sentence... If it's supposed to be T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E and you use T-H-E-R-E, I may have to jam a screwdriver into my eye hole. Just saying. Anyway, this test is out online to see how people are doing with their grammar. And we are going to test Will. Will's on the other side of the glass today. He didn't know he was going to be tested on grammar when he came in this evening. Cool. We, I don't know how many of these we're going to get through. Most people are getting 50% or less on this test. So while you're at home, Will, before you give your answer each time, give it two or three seconds so people at home can think about what their answer would be. All right. All right. And then you will give it. Uh, So here we go. Question number one. If I, I'm going to say this, it's going to sound rude. It's not what I mean. If I blank you, I would quit. Is it if I were you or if I was you, I would quit? If I were you, I would quit. If I was you, I would quit. It would be if I were you. Correct. At home, one point if you got that one Was that enough time for everyone at home to play along? Okay. Neither one of us is capable of working tomorrow. Neither one of us are capable of working tomorrow. I'm going to take a second on that one as well, just to be careful. Neither one of us is working tomorrow, is capable of working tomorrow. Neither one of us are capable of working tomorrow. It is neither, I say neither, neither one of us is capable. Correct. Correct again. Two for two. Well done. Off to a good start here. Let us continue on. Joanna kissed who last night or Joanna kissed whom last night? Oh, Oh, the whom or the who question. Okay. <clears throat> now, before you answer, do you know this one or are you guessing on this one? 
I'm trying to put it together. It's one of the one. It's one <laughs> of the is, two. This is the one that I have the most trouble with. I have uh, I have friends who are sticklers for grammar. Oddly enough, actually named Joanna. Uh, I th- believe Joanna kissed who last night, or Joanna kissed whom last night. I think it is whom in this scenario. You are three for three. Wow. Well done. Yes. All right. Those playing along at home. I hope some of you are keeping up with Will. Question four in this grammar test that apparently very few people are able to pass, although Will is killing it right now. Who, uh, sorry, whose keys are on the desk? Is whose spelt H-W-O apostrophe S or H-W-O-S-E? Whose keys are Scott, on the d- desk? H W W H O S. Sorry, I had it backwards. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Forget that. Forget the first part of the spelling. It's is it W H O apostrophe S or W H O S E? Unless we are talking about the doctor, then we mean W H O S E. Correct. Wow, Will, very impressed. Let me keep going here. And this one, we actually talked about this last week yeah. in a different context. I feel sad for him, but his brother could care less or his brother couldn't care less. <laughs> well, it depends what you're trying to say there, Scott. However, I feel sad for him, but his brother could care less or his brother couldn't care less. Uh, in, in this scenario, it, it, it would be his brother could not care less, meaning he has reached the bottom. This His field of cares is completely deprived. His barrel of cares is empty. So you're going with? He couldn't care less. Couldn't. You are correct. Five for five for Will. Wow. Let's keep rolling. Um, here we go. The blizzard severely affected thousands of people. The blizzard severely affected thousands of people. <laughs> Uh, uh, it is the beer, the, the blizzard severely affected thousands of people. Effect is the noun. Affect is the verb. Correct. Wow. Six for six. We got time for one more. I can't believe how good you are at this. Thank you. Let me go to the, I think the, if you lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas. Or if you lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas. Oh, oh. Perfect record on the mark, on the spot right here. If you lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas. Or if you lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas. Need the Jeopardy music. We're running uh, short on time. I believe it is if you... Oh, it's a tense issue. If you lie down, I'm going with lie. You sure? Is that your final answer? That is my final answer. You are seven for seven. Look yes! at that. Will, perfect score. I did not know that Will was a grammarian. How about that? Well done. Thank you. At home, if you got seven for seven, find somebody named Joe because it's National Joe Day and go to the restaurant with him and both of you can maybe eat for free today. Just tell him you got perfect on a grammar test on the air. I'm sure some restaurant will feed you for free for doing that. Well done. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us.
Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening. 911. 911.